The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today, Craig Mish, Davis Maddock, good to see you out there watching today, listening as well. We've got a two-hour show for you here every day, talking fantasy sports, talking sports wagering. We cover it all, NBA playoffs, of course, light baseball schedule last night, so we're going to move ahead quickly to today. little NFL discussion as well, so stay on the grid for that. Uh, Davis, great to see you here on this Tuesday. I know that certainly NBA was taking the forefront last night again. Man, we need some good games, though. Like, the last couple of days have not really provided the closest games in the world. Hopefully that's going to change tonight. Yeah, well, series games tend to get closer as the series goes on, providing it's not a sweep, right? Providing it's not a, uh, you know, a Nets versus Celtics or whatever, because if you have two evenly matched teams they learn each other's tendencies guys like oh trey young goes to his left a lot or oh Embiid likes to do this in the post and i'm the guy who's defending him you know every other night for for two weeks and so game four game five game six those tend to be a little bit tighter i don't know if we are going to get there with the bucks net series i mean my my no. opinion coming <laughs> in was the, the i mean and i've said this though you and i've been doing this show together for for a while now and my whole time I've just said look the Nets are the best team Kevin Durant is I don't know if it's fair to call him the best player in the NBA he is the best scorer of the basketball in the NBA no one no one is better than him at putting the ball into the basket at uh, at a high cliff and uh that's you know that's a pretty big deal in the playoffs you you need to score points to win games and I just don't know if the Bucks have it in the locker to crawl back in this one yeah, I mean, it doesn't look like anyone is ready to challenge the Nets until we get to the NBA Finals. I can't imagine Atlanta or Philadelphia doing that either, but we'll see. That's where we'll begin here with our headlines here on the show as the Nets just clobber the Bucks without Harden. Suns take care of business against the Nuggets and defend home court. Those series will pick up again tomorrow. Uh, in hockey, the Habs sweep the Jets. The Islanders go up 3-2 on the Bruins, going to be... An unbelievable crowd on Long Island for their next game, I would imagine. Uh, Jackson Coer, the pitcher for the Kansas City Royals, rookie, University of Florida Gator, does not get out of the first inning in his Major League debut. Looked just way too amped up for his start. We've seen this before, but the results were not good. Uh, also, a sad note, former NFL head coach Jim Fossil, who took the Giants to the Super Bowl, has passed away at the age of 71. So condolences certainly to him and his family. Yesterday in baseball, it was the debut. It really kind of took, I, I think, some of the headlines yesterday when the Royals uh, rolled out Jackson Coer to make his first start. He did not get out of the first inning, but Mike Matheny, the manager of the Royals, has seen this story before. He's been along, around a long time, player with the Cardinals, player with the Giants, manager of the Cardinals, now manager of the Royals, and he shared his opinion on seeing him pitch for the first time. A lot going on that first day out there, and um, you know, even uh, told him on the mound, stuff looks good. That stuff's going to be in this game a long time, and uh, just take one of these days as uh, one of those growing opportunities and um, just a stepping stone because uh, he's he's not going to have he's not going to have an uncle like that. Uh, I'm confident of it. He's got too good of stuff the way he competes and. Um, it's just one of those, like we said, he gets into some pretty good counts and guys fouling off some barely fouling off pitches, staying alive. And 
is uh, what he brings out there is really good. And like I said before, and told me the same thing. Can't wait to watch him once we get him back out there. But today's one of those you just kind of let go and uh, look forward to and start preparing for the next one. And, and, I, and I probably share some of the same sentiment, Davis, but if there's one thing that we just continue to learn and I continue to hammer, you cannot trust rookie pitchers. It is impossible to do. Is there going to be a pitcher that's going to come up in his first year that is going to pitch like Jose Fernandez, rest in peace? Absolutely, there is going to be that. But we can just continue to look at this, and you could give me 10 rookie starting pitchers, and nine of them are going to struggle in their first year. I have no doubt that this kid will end up being good one day, but the list just continues to go on and on. And unfortunately, Davis, the Royals took it on the chin last night, but the good news is he can't be any worse next start out. Yeah, I you know I tend to forgive guys who just get, look, you're just juiced up. It's a huge thing starting your first Major League Baseball game. The, the Angels are not a great team, but they do have some very strong hitters, right? Rendon, Walsh, Otani, all very good Major League Baseball hitters. And, and you know, I mean, sometimes you get the Jackson Coars and sometimes you get the Shane McClanahan's, right? McClanahan came out, was, you know, touching 100 miles an hour on the gun, had those off-speed pitches that were, you know, moving all around the zone. Guys didn't know how to catch up to him. And, and McClanahan has struggled a little bit since then, you know, giving up some home runs and things. And that, that's going to happen with these young pitchers. Pitching like, uh, you know, we see guys like Rich Hill literally pitch into their 40s. It's a, it's, a, it's a game that is not so much about your raw power, but it's really as a pitcher, you have to be a thinker. And there are just a lot of things that Jackson Kowar is going to learn over the next decade that he doesn't know yet. And, you know, so I'm, I'm not going to hold it against him. It was definitely disappointing to see him get blown up like that. But, you know, it's, it's part of the game. Rookie pitchers, they get blown up and, and it just happens. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think that I'm just very much in, in fantasy baseball, on the pitcher who struggles year one because I want a piece of that in year two. But I just don't go after these guys. And look, for every Trevor Rogers, there is a Spencer Howard. You know, it just, it just happens every season. This kid, Alec Manoa, shut down the Yankees. Everyone's ready to give him the Cy Young. And then the Marlins beat him up. You know, it's just, it is, the, the first year is tough. And then eventually they could become Hall of Famers. Just ask Smoltz and Glavin. Take a look at their first year in the big leagues. They just couldn't get anybody out. Uh, but then that changes, and they become great. And I think that could be the case with Color too. All right, NBA coming up next. Stay with us. Stay on the grid. We'll preview it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Today, Craig and David back here with you as we discuss the two NBA games tonight. I think we split last night, if I'm not mistaken, but pretty good. Not bad. We'll take it. You go 50-50 and then go 
on the positive side. You're making money there. So let's take a look at tonight's games and see if we can come out with a winner. Atlanta at Philadelphia tonight as the Sixers are definitely under some pressure, no doubt. But the line tells you fan, on FanDuel that the Sixers are going to rebound tonight, Davis. The total is 224.5. Atlanta and Trey Young lead the series one game to none. And uh, pressure on Doc Rivers, no doubt. He's been through this, what, a million times with, with several different teams? And always uh, free to share his opinion of things. And even though the Sixers came back and came back strong in the second half of that game against the Hawks to make it close, Doc certainly isn't buying into that little rally, meaning that's a guarantee to uh, win this game tonight. Well, sometimes I always look at those comebacks as fools go. Um, you just got to be solid and more disciplined all game. And, and then you'll find out, you know, where we're at in this series. So uh, we clearly have to play better. We have to play better defense for sure. Uh, we have to not turn the ball over 19 times. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, the pain was self-inflicted for sure. And if that's, uh, for whatever reason it is, it happened. Uh, I don't just lean on, well, we wasn't ready because give them credit. They came and they punched us in the mouth, I thought. And so, um, you know, we just got punched back. All right, Davis. So I, I think that Doc brought up some interesting points. And then one, I think that speaks to more of like things normalizing 19 turnovers for the Sixers in game one. The line is sort of telling you here that Philly's going to win this game. Uh, maybe they don't cover or not. I don't know. But there's been no adjustment here in thinking that Atlanta is the better team, I guess, in this series. I think that's probably fair to say there's no adjustment there. So should there be an adjustment? Are you willing to take the points here? Do you like Philadelphia? Uh, I do like Philadelphia for the series. I think for this game, I would uh, I would just take the points though. Like I, I don't think I don't think I would um, you know go after seeing what we saw in game one. I don't think I would take six or six and a half here, depending on what it's at at the FanDuel Sportsbook. But I mean, the FanDuel Sportsbook does still think the 76ers are going to win the series. They're minus one forty two to win the series. The Hawks are plus one twenty. And if you look at the box score of that game one. Atlanta scored 42 points in the first quarter. And then, you know, it really ended up being a close game because the 76ers scored 41 points in the fourth quarter. Had they done a little bit better in the second quarter, you know, this this could have been a game, even with that crazy onslaught of, uh, you know, three-pointers at the beginning of the game. Trey Young was fantastic in that game. John Collins was amazing in the first game. Kevin Herter made, uh, you know, made a bunch of shots off the bench, hit 50% of his threes. And, you know, those kinds of performances from role players, they swing games, but I wouldn't necessarily look at them as being predictive. Like, remember when Mike Miller played with the LeBron James, he, he was that guy where he could swing like one game in the playoffs every year with his three-point shooting. Remember when his, his shoe came off against the Thunder and yeah. he hit the three? Like, the, like you, were, you remember those moments but they're not really predictive. They just are, are moments that happen inside of a chaotic game. And I think that's just what it was. It was a chaotic game one. The Hawks just totally blitzkrieged them in the first quarter, almost scored 50 points. Very hard to dig yourself out of that hole as the 76ers. But as long as Embiid is healthy, and as long as Ben Simmons is playing inside himself, I mean, Ben Simmons did not miss a shot. Seven for seven from the floor. Now, Ben Simmons is free throw shooting is going to be a problem in this series because he should be able to draw a lot of fouls because Trey Young is his primary defender. So it's going to be pretty easy for Simmons to get to the bucket. But if you know Capella and Collins and Gallinari are just fouling him on his way in, if he's got to hit his free throws. And if Ben Simmons is shooting you know, 30 40% from the stripe in this series, that's not good for the 76ers. That puts way more of the onus on Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid but I, I think as long as Embiid is healthy, I feel pretty good about them ending up uh, on top of this series. Okay, so for the game, the points, series, the Sixers is what Davis likes tonight. Let's move on and hit on the Clippers and Utah Jazz. We've had to wait a while for this one, of course, because the Clippers played a seven-game series against the Dallas Mavericks. And a pretty tight spread here tonight. Utah minus four. They are at home. The total is 221. Utah took two out of three against the Clippers, which should be no surprise. They took two out of three from basically everybody in the NBA this year. They were uh, essentially the NBA's best team in, in the regular season. But there's a big challenge tonight, of course. That's playing against one of the best players in the NBA in Kawhi Leonard. Of course, uh, Paul Pierce. There are some other contributors as well. 
And Donovan Mitchell of the well-rested jazz says that he knows the task at hand. And, uh, you know, certainly the lineup that the Clippers play is relatively small, but there are some reasons for that. Uh, everything we did with Memphis has just got to be even sharper. Um, you know, there's certain passing angles, uh, driving, understanding they're going to help from certain places, understanding where they're going to be on the offensive end. And you got to be sharper mentally, physically. The pass has got to be on point. We got to take our shots. You know, we can't pass up looks against this team because they're great at recovering and scrambling. And, you know, they got 6'8", six, 6'9", six, 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 whatever. You know what I mean? And then the wingspans are there too. So um, it's their, called their small lineup, but, you know, it's, it's just because they don't have a seven-footer out there. But at the end of the day, they're really good at scrambling and being able to recover. So for us, it's like we got to be able to execute through that, play through that. Um, defensively, you know, they can score many different ways. You know, at the end of the day, it comes down to the, the those two and Paul George and Kawhi. But understanding that Reggie can get going, Marcus can get going, Batum, everybody. You know, so for us, it's like, okay, you know, how do we stay locked in and stay solid? And we did a good job of that um, against Memphis, you know, um, outside of really game one. But now it's, you know, at an even higher level. And understanding it's not going to be just for a quarter, two quarters. You know, there's certain things we got away with in the first series that we won't be able to get away with this series defensively. So understanding that we got to be on point uh, every minute of the game, every minute of the series. I'll tell you, from watching Donovan Mitchell for 10 minutes, Davis, I think this guy's going to end up being a coach. Very, very uh, sharp guy in terms of game planning and talking about different things. Of course, we don't have time to air it all, but I uh, thought that his thoughts were interesting. What do you make of his comments there on the Clippers? It sounds like Utah has a pretty solid game plan. They did beat them two out of three in the regular season, but... Uh, Clippers are, are not one team that I want to try and predict because I just haven't seen anything tangible to know which way they were going to go. I thought that, you know, maybe last year they would win the NBA championship. They fell flat. They didn't really look great against Dallas until they rallied toward the end. What do you make of this series and this game tonight? So I think this series is fascinating. And I think Donovan Mitchell, you know, I agree with you, very intelligent. I, I really liked his breakdown of, uh, of the potential problems there because you, you see the big problem which is there's no center that can play on the Clippers roster with Ibaka injured. And Ibaka at this point, his conditioning has got to be terrible because he hasn't played in like two months. And they, they just get killed in the Zubac minutes. Zubac just cannot be out there. So then you're talking about, okay, well, Rudy Gobert is going to be matched up against Marcus Morris, Nick Batum. And, and I also thought what he said about the Clippers not being small, but just not playing a center because Paul George is 6'7", Kawhi Leonard is 6'8". Batum and Morris are both 6'8 and 6'7. Like, that's a big lineup, but they just don't have a center. And I, I guess kind of the interesting thing is Rudy Gobert is not Shaq, right? Rudy Gobert is not Embiid. Right. He's not Jokic. You don't, you don't toss the ball to him and say, all right, all right, big fella, like, go, go get a bucket on Marcus Morris. It's not, really, it's not really what he does. It would be a little bit easier for the Jazz. I, I think probably what they're going to do, actually, in a weird way, I think they're going to try and switch a lot and get Donovan Mitchell or Mike Conley on whoever is nominally playing center because Mitchell is just going to, I mean, it's so easy for him to get by Batum or Morris, right? Like those guys, those guys might as well be traffic cones to him. And I, I think the Clippers do probably win this series, but I, I want it to be the jazz because I love when small market teams do well in the NBA. Like it's awesome when that happens. And, and points tonight or, or, or favorite. Uh, I think probably I am on the Clippers plus four. I think I got. I think I got to take Clippers plus four. I mean, look, they've been the best road team thus far in the playoffs, so hard to argue that point. All right, coming up next, full slate of baseball, including a really good matchup: two teams over five hundred, Blue Jays and White Sox. We'll tell you who should be the pick tonight. Also, a key division battle between the Atlanta Braves and Philadelphia Phillies. So stay with us and stay on the grid. Plenty more to come here on Fantasy Sports Today. Davis and I got you here, right here on Sports Grid. Be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. 
the crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. baseball to get to here today and some really good matchups as well teams that are over 500 we've got two of the three games we're going to discuss there as Blue Jays White Sox both teams fighting for the postseason Cubs Padres both teams fighting for the postseason Braves and Phillies probably only one team going to make it from there in that division but some solid games to look at tonight so let's go ahead and get started see if we can give you a little bit of a lean before they begin in just a few hours we've got the Blue Jays taking on the White Sox today And the total is eight. The White Sox are a very big favorite. Carlos Rodon has had a solid year, no question. Robbie Ray has looked pretty good, too, to be honest with you. A lot less walks, a lot more strikeouts, so seemingly coming on a little bit more. Uh, Expecting a low-scoring close game because the total is eight on FanDuel, and the White Sox are about minus 160, or you take the Blue Jays plus 130. It's a very formidable lineup that Ray is going to have to go through, Davis. That's, That's definitely the concern here with the White Sox, and Rodon has been spot on. Uh, Also, White Sox bullpen is better than Toronto as well, so if Robbie Ray is going to have one of those games where he only pitches five innings, Jays are going to be in a little bit of trouble. So who do you like this evening? Come on, you know know I'm taking Robbie Ray here. Plus plus money Mm -hmm. with Robbie Ray, who you know I love. Robbie Ray, his his big problems, it's never actually been strikeouts. It's just been control. So, you know, can I get to a 2-2 count against a right-handed batter and find a way to not walk him? Because, I mean, that's just a difficult – you're Robbie Ray, you're a left-handed pitcher, you know, your best move is your fastball is great and you got good off-speed stuff, but you can't can't throw the off-speed stuff for strikes that well. And he really has figured out that problem this season. You know, I don't know if that's coaching or personal work or what it is. Now, that being said, the Chicago White Sox, they just crush – they crush left-handed pitching. I mean, just up and down. They, they and and you know, it's it's crazy that they'd be even better with Eloy in the lineup. They'd be even better against left-handed pitching. But I am taking Robbie Ray here. I I, I also think that you could probably get pretty good odds on the run line for them. Uh, so I I don't I don't hate I don't hate that angle either. I also think the over here does look a little bit enticing if you're not on either. If you're not if you don't love either one of the starting pitchers, I think you could take the over. Yeah, I don't, I don't share the same enthusiasm for this one tonight, but I understand your your opinion on that for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, Ray, I saw pitch in, in um, on TV, not in person, but I saw Ray pitch this year against Miami, and he looked really good, but uh, too many righties. And by the way, Lewis Robert also out for the White Sox as well. Uh, I, I, I sort of share the same opinion on this game tonight. It's, it's what I've seen. I just have to believe at this point. Uh, Atlanta is at Philadelphia. And you would say, what what business does Philly ever have being minus 160 in a game, honestly? Uh, but Aaron Nola's pretty good. Total is eight and a half. What is the key to this game tonight? I have benched Drew Smiley in my fantasy leagues. It's done. I, I, I can't start him anymore. His ERA is six. Uh, I, I thought that this would be a big sleeper in fantasy this season. And he has a long time to turn it around. But I'm not backing him. I, I, I can't do it. He's been one of the worst pitchers in the National League. Aaron Nola... I mean, I don't know. He doesn't look like a Cy Young Award winner this year, but he's much better than what Smiley is. Braves, of course, playing with the light offense without playing with Ozuna. So essentially, it's got to be tonight, like Acuna hitting two home runs or Freeman hitting two home runs. It's like the only way it's going to get it done. Total does tell you there's a chance of that. It's eight and a half, so some runs could be scored. But I can't back Drew Smiley. Just can't do it. Yeah, I I kind of feel 
Like, I, I would like to back Drew Smiley. I would like to think that that pitcher that existed last year does still exist. And a lot of his numbers look remarkably similar. His ground ball rate is similar. He's getting extremely, extremely unlucky on uh, fly balls. His home run to fly ball rate is 23%. League average is like 14%. So, But you think about, okay, Smiley's a left-handed pitcher. He doesn't throw super hard. So I guess it would make, you know, it would just make sense that when he is not throwing well, he's going to be giving up a ton of home runs. Um, but I, I would like the price on Smiley as an underdog here to be like plus 150, plus 160, more in that range. I just don't think you're getting enough juice uh, to take on for him here. So I, I think you do have to side with the Phillies. I also think you could probably, if that's the angle you're taking, you're like, look, Smiley is just going to get blown up. You know, the, the Phillies are just going to tee off on him. I think you just take the over. Um, or, or I guess if you if you um, really like Aaron Nola, you would just take the over on the Philadelphia Phillies team total. That would be that would be another angle to take in to, to go against Smiley. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I've rode this out, Davis, for almost three months, you know, and it's like, I mean, how many more times am I going to have him in a lineup in, in DFS fantasy season long? Like I, I just at some point you have to believe what you're seeing. And I understand the metrics are saying that he should be a little bit better. But the other thing that happens sometimes in these situations is the manager, when he sees a pitcher like Smiley, perfect example, struggling, ERA of six. Davis, if Smiley throws five innings tonight and gives up two runs, guess what the pitcher, guess what the manager does? They take him out because they're like, we want him to leave feeling good. And so we'll turn it over to the bullpen. He's had his good start. Maybe he could build on it. That's not a recipe to win a game and a, and a recipe for success. It's a recipe for the long term. But for the short term, they're just looking for anything positive out of this guy. So I'm going to back Philly tonight. Uh, and then finally, we got the Cubs and the San Diego Padres. And uh, San Diego is a huge favorite. Very, you know, actually a similar situation here with Zach Davies. But uh, maybe I feel a little bit better about him. Denelson Lamette pitches for the Padres. The total is eight. The Padres have been one of baseball's best teams. What is this line saying? The line is saying that the Cubs are fraudulent. And that eventually that this is just going to go the other way. We haven't seen it. This guy, Patrick Wisdom, comes up, hitting all kinds of home runs. Baez has been better. Bryant has been better. The Cubs have been better. Kimbrell has been great. So, uh, but, but you know, this game is a microcosm. FanDuel's telling you, don't believe it. Eventually, going to turn for the Cubs. I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe it will happen. Maybe it won't. I thought that about the Red Sox, too. That hasn't turned. Who do you like tonight in this one? Are you willing to lay minus 170, minus a run and a half, or just take the Cubs? No, I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to lay this on the Padres. I also think you could take the over here pretty comfortably because Zach Davies, man, you're, you we want to talk about Drew Smiley being bad. I mean, Zach Davies has never been good, but Zach Davies is particularly bad right now. He has a 13% K rate and an 11 and a half percent walk rate. He's also giving up a ton of hard contact not generating any ground balls relative to what he would need to be, you know, for a, a profile of this pitcher. Remember when Dallas Keuchel was really good, he wasn't striking anyone out, but he had like a 70% ground ball rate. Like he guys could just not launch the ball off of him. And that's what, uh, when Davies has been good in the past, you know, his first year from Milwaukee, 57% ground ball rate back in 2017, a 50% ground ball rate. He also has been getting lucky. Um, he's been terrible thus far, but if you look at his ERA indicators, he actually should be pitching worse because he's keeping some balls in the park that should have gone out. He is stranding a higher than league average number of guys on base. So after he walks them, you know, he's getting double plays or whatever he needs to do. So I, I want to for sure bet against Zach Davies. I think you could do that a number of ways. Obviously, you could just bet the Padres. You could bet the over on the Padres team total. You could bet the Padres run line. And I think all of those are legitimate avenues to take. But I just, I, I think you want to be short Zach Davies. He, he looks brutal to me. Yeah, well, was interesting the comment that you made on Keuchel. Keuchel won a Cy Young Award for having essentially the best sinker in baseball for almost two years. He's still pretty good, but it was a little bit different. The other thing that Keuchel had behind him is Correa and Altuve at short and second. So anytime there was a ground and Bregman. So anytime there was a ground ball hit, essentially it was an out. Their defense was elite. And and I saw Keichel just carve up people for years. And he and he kind of found that pitch. Davies, you're right, is exactly would have been Keichel if he could, but he's not. And 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 he just can't he just can't get that ball down sometimes and he gets hit pretty hard. So I think that that's pretty much um 
you know, fair assessment there. One other note that I wanted to ask you about here over the weekend, the Brewers for the second time uh, sent Keston Hura down to the minors. We're going to talk about Jared Kelenic a little bit later in the show. You think that he gets a third shot, Davis? You think Hura gets a third shot coming back to the big leagues? Because you talk about disappointing players in the fantasy season. He is close to, if not right up there at the top, because every time he comes back, you know you want to activate him, right? You know you want to believe what you saw in the minor leagues, but that just hasn't translated. Well, it's really interesting because if you look at the standings, you'd be like, oh my, you'd be like, no way. The Brewers can't possibly, well, the Brewers can't possibly be doing that good. Well, they are. They are right now, as you and I are talking, they are first place in the division, 33 and 26. They're a half game ahead of the Cubs. They're well ahead of the Reds and the Pirates. And you can't really be messing around with the guy striking out 38% of the time and not hitting home runs if you are the first place team in the division. Now, if they were the Pirates or if they were the Reds and, and didn't really have any hope of winning the division or contending for the playoffs, you, you just let him figure it out at the major league level. Um, because I, I they messed with his swing. There was this great analysis done of where he was holding his bat, and he's holding it way lower and way closer to the plate, I think, to probably eliminate some of the holes from his swing, but that really was taking away a lot of his power, you know, which is what made Kessinier good in the first place. I think, you know, bad teams – they should just be trying to trade for Hero right now. You know, the Pirates, the Royals, you know, some of these teams that, uh, you, yeah. the Angels, you, you know, another team, just teams that are not in the playoff race right now and can afford to just let him figure it out at the major league level. Like, they should absolutely be trying to trade for Kesson here. Right now. Um, I don't imagine the price would be that high. I don't know. He, he hasn't – was was he, like, a really, really top prospect? I, I think he was maybe more of, like, a surprise guy. Like, they got more of him out of the major league level than they originally anticipated. So maybe the price wouldn't even be that high. Uh, no, I mean, he was pretty much up there. He was always a top three guy for them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's disappointment, but I understand the point you're trying to make. I mean, look, your Kansas City Royals, Davis, did this in the offseason with Andrew Benatendi, and it worked. I mean, they got him at his lowest value. The Red Sox parted with him at his lowest value. This guy looks like he's a cornerstone of the Royals offense and is going to be there forever. So they made the right move. Maybe that is the move. Maybe it is some team like Detroit trading for Keston Hira and putting him at first base every single day and seeing what can be. Our DFS options for tonight are coming up next. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. today over on FanDuel. If you're playing DFS tonight, we're going to give you some good options. Full slate of Major League Baseball. Everybody in action. So should be some fun games to go over here. And let's begin with Davis's starting pitching options. 
And very clear, we have three guys here who pitched on opening day. Shane Bieber for Cleveland, 11500 highest-priced guy. Tyler Glass now of the Rays, 11000 Also a pretty good chess player, apparently. Chris Bassett of Oakland, continually undervalued here at 9700 And then we know that if Alex Wood is on the mound, that he's going to be an option tonight for the San Francisco Giants. So some pretty solid ones. Let's let's create a lineup here tonight, starting with these, Davis. So there are there are a plethora of aces tonight, as is evident here. Bieber, Glass now, uh, you know, the best. But Noah is pitching tonight. Walker Bueller is pitching tonight against the the Pittsburgh Pirates. So I think he will be, you know, fairly popular as well. Glass now is he, he just I think is like my favorite guy for fantasy baseball. I can't ever remember using him in a spot and not getting, you know, 35, 45 uh, fan duel points from him. I am not a big fan of the Nationals lineup just in general. They have lots of guys with a swing and miss. You know, we, we've talked about this on the show a bunch, but, you know, Trey Turner is really the only one on that team that's kind of doing their job. And even their, even their good hitters, you know, Josh Bell, Kyle Schwarber, guys like that, those are guys who have tons of strikeouts. Bassett is fascinating to me because he is going to be um, going up against the Arizona Diamondbacks. We're going to be adding – the designated hitter, but they just are not, it's just not really a strong lineup. And Bassett also can go deep into games because he, he is not a max velocity pitcher. He's just one of those guys who is kind of able to cruise through starts. He already has one complete game this year. And that that's something that gets a little bit lost in DFS analysis is, yeah, we're looking for strikeout upside. We're looking for wins, but also, you know, you get, you get points for innings pitch. You get points for getting guys out. And, you know, a guy whose median outcome is seven innings as opposed to five, you're going to see a big advantage there. And then, of course, my guy Alex Wood had to make it into uh, the, the mix here today going up against the Texas Rangers, who, I mean, just everyone feels like everyone on that team strikes out about 34% of the time. And uh, also a lot of their best hitters are left-handed, right? Gallo, Nate Lowe, both left-handed. So you get the advantage there with Wood as well. Very cute calling Gallo one of their best hitters still, but I understand. I, I, I understand the love you have for him, for sure. All right, over to first base we go. Uh, Cody Bellinger of the Dodgers, 4,000 tonight. Pete Alonzo, 3,500. What a nice season Trey Mancini has had. Great story, too, at 3,200. And, and wouldn't you believe, I mean, the one guy in the Cubs lineup that really, he's been okay, but he hasn't been great, is Anthony Rizzo. Maybe he's the last one to come alive for them and take them over the top. He's at 2,800 for the Cubs tonight. Yes. Uh, so Rizzo is, I wanted to highlight him because this is just a good lesson to learn for fantasy baseball in general. If you, if a price tag looks weird for a skilled hitter, and especially on a 15-game slate, I mean, we have every team in baseball in this slate tonight on FanDuel, Rizzo is going to be 2 3% owned going up against Denilson Lament. And look, Rizzo's long-term track record, you know, three, four years rolling averages of weighted on-base average would suggest he is not a $2,800 player. Um, in fact, I even have like a little anecdote. I remember Rizzo was once in the middle of this brutal cold streak. I, I want to say like 2017, 2018. And he got down to minimum price on FanDuel, Craig. He got down to dead minimum, $2,000. And he hit a home run three games in a row at $2,000, including one game of a double home run. So it's just like, look, you just got to, you got to zoom out on the chart sometimes. And you got to think about, long-term skill sets for these guys. Cody Ballinger, platoon advantage against JT Brubaker. Uh, I love all of the Mets tonight against Zimmerman. They are at Baltimore, so the Mets are going to be adding a designated hitter. Now, they're still kind of like the walking dead. You know, Cameron Maven might be their, their designated hitter tonight, but we do, we do definitely like this spot for the New York Mets. I, I think first base has lots of options tonight. Yeah, Brett, Brett did not like that comment. I just got a message, the walking dead. Oof, rough. Uh, not not far off, though, by the way. Okay, second base options tonight. Let's get at it. Uh, Jose Altuve playing well again, 4,100 tonight. Whit Merrifield of the Royals, 3,800. Boy, you cannot go wrong with Simeon ever. I, I watch this guy play, and, I mean, it's two hits every night for this guy. What a great signing for, for the Blue Jays, 3,400. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how you could put Yankees in a lineup at this point, Davis. Honestly, they are just looking brutal. But I suppose Torres is one with some track record that can start to get it going. 
Well, I can I can do you one better with the Yankees. The other night on FanDuel, uh, I believe this was on Saturday, so I, I hadn't talked to you for a couple days. I had this great lineup on FanDuel. I had Otani, home run. Max Stassi, mm-hmm. home run. Chad Pender, home run. Uh, and then I think I pitched Kershaw, who went like six innings and got the win. And I had a four-man Yankee stack that got one hit. Not not one hit each. A four-man Yankee stack that got one hit. So you know that does it. It just does go to show you it is a it is a volatile game, and uh, you're definitely right. not always going to win when you're stacking. But yeah, I mean Altuve, best option at the position, platoon advantage against yeah. Martin Perez. Uh, Marcus Semyon, he uh, your your son's favorite video game, MLB The Show. He just won Player of the Month inside of MLB oh. The Show, so he's going to get a nice high-rated card that your son is definitely going to be wanting to try out. Oh, and then Glaber is actually uh, Gla- Glaber is actually the one guy for the Yankees who's kind of doing his job right now. Glaber is he is uh, cutting down the strikeouts and, and hitting decently. Yeah, we uh, my son has. Um... He has Nick Solak, I think, at second base. He's like 87 or something like that. But yeah, I mean, we we ended up getting who what we get we uh, you know I'm such a sucker for the legends, Davis. So it's like Dennis Eckersley popped up as a closer, and it's probably not even worth doing. But I like uh, you know spent the money I allowed him to get Eckersley. So he's got Chapman from the left, Eckersley from the right. So we'll keep an eye on Simeon as soon as he gets home from camp. Thanks for that. All right, third base, Jose Ramirez at 4,000. Josh Donaldson picking it up a little bit, 3,500. Gene Segura of the Phillies, 3,300. And then Jonathan VR is 2,800 tonight for the New York Mets. When healthy, he's a pretty solid contributor. Yeah, uh, VR is the man, 2,800. I think he's going to be pretty popular tonight. I think the Mets in general are going to be pretty popular tonight. So definitely factor that in when you're working on your lineups. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Donaldson... He, he's back. I mean, he's not back all the way, but he had uh, he had a two home run game the other night. Segura going well has that platoon advantage against Smiley. We we spoke on Smiley in the last segment. You know, we just don't really think that he is going to be able uh, to hold things together. And then, as always, Jose Ramirez. Uh, uh, the projection systems we talk about this a lot as well. They just are not caught up to the fact that Carlos Martinez can't get anyone out. So Ramirez is not going to rate out you know, really, really high in algorithms tonight. So if you're, you know, using Daily Roto, using whoever to build your lineups, uh, you're not going to get a ton of Jose Ramirez. So I think he is a a pretty sneaky play. Okay, let's go to shortstop and check in on Fernando Tatis's Jr.'s price. Luckily, we have him every single day, it feels like, on our list. 4,500, you can't go wrong there. Uh, Marlins play the Rockies this week. If they can't you know, feast on that pitching. I, I don't even know what to say, but he's at 3,200. Jazz Chisholm has definitely come back to earth significantly. Fernando, uh, I'm sorry, Francisco Lindor, still waiting on him, still under 3,000, 2,900. And then Willie Adamas now with the Milwaukee Brewers, 2,700 tonight. Yeah, so this is a pretty interesting position always because you have to ask yourself the question, well, why would I play anyone other than Tatis? Like, why am I, why am I messing around with Lindor why am I messing around with Jazz Chisholm? Like, I just feel like Tatis every night, like, he's just cranking him out. I mean, he is he is doing everything he can to, uh, to you know, add the National League MVP to his belt. But we do, of course, like Jazz Chisholm. He's got the uh, platoon advantage tonight. The, the projection systems, again, they just don't know, you know, guys like Adelis Garcia, guys like Jazz. It's just very hard for them to catch up to guys like that. And so you're, you're just kind of getting an ownership discount there. Um, as far as Lindor goes, I mean, like, what do you, what do you want me to say? Like, we we've had this conversation <laughs> a bunch of times. I'm gonna right. when the when the Mets have a good matchup and when the Mets have a good team total, he's gonna be in there for me because that's how I play the game. I play the game with a with a long bird's eye view, and that's gonna cause me to miss some things. Um, I actually remember the the best example of this was the first year Miguel Cabrera was really bad. I don't remember if it was 2018 or 2017, but the first year where Cabrera went from being like a guy who would hit 40 home runs to a guy who hit like 22, I just kept playing him and kept playing him and kept playing him. And then finally, by the end of the year, I was like, okay, I'm done. But, you know, I, I can think of those examples, but then also there's the the Anthony Rizzo example of like, oh, he's been on this sure. terrible cold streak and he snaps out of it. And I, I think those scenarios are more likely than not. 
Yeah, and I think Lindor eventually starts hitting. It's it's the the league change doesn't affect everybody the same way, and I and I I think that's what's going on with him. Okay, let's go over to outfield here. We've got Otani provided he's in the lineup, forty one hundred tonight. Getting by the way, Otani getting outfield qualification in season long fantasy leagues too, which is huge. Uh, Adelise Garcia, Texas, thirty five hundred plug and play. Jordan Alvarez has been streaky this season for sure. He is at 3,200. Mitch Hanniger has cooled off quite a bit. He's at 3,000. And speaking of cooling off, boy, Teoscar Hernandez in that lineup with everybody else hitting has been super quiet for the Jays. So I would imagine that he picks it up, but he has been the, the one silent guy in that lineup thus far. Yeah, but, you know, we're only a month removed from Teoscar looking like their best hitter. So it's just, uh, it's just like, uh, it's kind of like it's kind of like investing, right? Like you you uh, you buy the dip, you buy when other people are scared, and you sell when other people are excited, and that's kind of the the approach that I would take, especially at outfield. Outfield is such a fascinating position for DFS because look, we got a we got a 15 game slate. Jordan Alvarez, Randy Arozarena, Cody Bellinger, Acuna, Betts. I mean, literally all the best players in all the best hitters in baseball pretty much are outfielders or designated hitters right now. You know, you have Tatis, who's a shortstop, but by and large, uh, the best hitters in baseball right now are outfielders. And so, you know, even these incredible plays like Jordan Alvarez uh, is $3,200. He is our highest projected fan duel hitter tonight, um, which you, you wouldn't necessarily think lefty versus lefty, but Martin Perez doesn't really get anyone out via strikeouts and Alvarez, Alvarez in general is going to do well against pitchers who rely on ground balls or fly balls to get guys out because his problem is like play discipline. And if he can foul off your 88 mile an hour fastball, he's going to set you up to get the pitch that he wants. Hanager always a little bit interesting to me, especially when he has the platoon advantage. I mean, like when he's $3,000, that's just a buy spot for me. And then Garcia, uh, we talked earlier about how uh, the Rangers, I, I actually like Alex Wood, but Garcia, platoon advantage i think a fair amount of people will use alex wood tonight which will definitely keep his his uh, his ownership down yeah i i think so and and, and look uh, with with garcia of the rangers he's he's a plug and play every single day as i mentioned um and, and you're right what you're doing there is interesting especially in tournaments because when you have all 15 teams playing the names that you mentioned are always going to be used and always going to be involved. Ronald Acuna Jr., Mookie Betts, the best players in the game. And so pivoting away from that definitely gives you some good options. Uh, you know, one of those games tonight that I think potentially has a lot of run scoring availability, um, even with the names that are in that Mets lineup, uh, Orioles put up a 16 spot the other day. Their pitching is sort of going the other way. You mentioned it. The weather is getting really hot in the Northeast, and Camden Yards is one of those parks that when that starts to happen, a lot of runs could be scored. Mets are in Baltimore tonight, so keep an eye on that one. All right, coming up next, is there a chance the Blue Jays could actually be playing in Toronto coming up in the summer months? And a, a pretty prominent name on the PGA Tour is not going to be playing in the U.S. Open, failing to qualify. So I want to get Davis's thoughts on that as we return next here on Fantasy Sports Today. Stay with us on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love, all at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
Welcome back to NFC Sports today here on Sports Grid. Davis, the NHL and Canada have reached a travel agreement, and it looks like the Stanley Cup semifinals will have some back and forth in terms of travel. Uh, I know that the Toronto Blue Jays have spent the better part of two years playing in either Dunedin for spring training and then some regular season or Buffalo last season in the regular season. Um, according to what I've read, they've already put tickets on sale for Buffalo in July. So I guess the question is, Davis, do we think August and September, they literally just close up shop in Buffalo and play in Toronto? I'm not really sure how this is going to go. I would assume that that would be the best case scenario at this point. I don't see tickets on sale for Toronto uh, at all. Yeah, I guess, I guess it really is just a matter of what the Canadian government decides, right? And then, and then you, so you say, okay, well, the Canadian government decides X, Y, or Z if we're going to, if we're going to keep it on, uh, on Canadian parlance. And then the, the <laughs> team has to make a decision as well, because I would imagine a lot of these guys are probably sick of shuffling their lives around. They start out there in Dunedin, then they're in Buffalo. Their families are, you know, who knows where these guys' families are. Maybe they're in Toronto. Maybe they're in the States, you know, to make uh, traveling and seeing their families a little bit easier. Like, I, I imagine it's probably a larger discussion. I, I would say you'd hope for the Blue Jays, and especially if they have um, playoff games, you'd really hope that they were in Toronto. You want your you want your home fans there able to see it. It would be a bummer for, you know, the, the Blue Jays to – win the world series or something playing in freaking buffalo yeah it, it does seem to me that at least for baseball from what i'm reading and hearing in terms of the media that and it may be like this for the country too honestly i don't know that's not something i can predict it certainly feels like they're using the july 4th holiday as the grand reopening in baseball where all all fans are allowed to come do whatever you want maybe maybe that's what's going to happen around the this country too, but I don't know that Canada sees it the same way. Again, uh, tickets have been sold for Buffalo into some of the month of July. So that would not indicate a return until August. We'll be back with our headlines. Chris has them and we'll have some too. Don't go away. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 